Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Word is Proud Media Partner of Latitude Festival. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Uh, Latitude Festival. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you to the weather for making everybody come into a dry tent. I think the tradition at festivals is you chant no more rain. No, it's the rain. The traditional festivals, you chat, no more rain, isn't it? But we've been back going, more yeah. rain, more rain. More rain. So uh, my name is Andrew Harrison of The Word magazine. With me, I have he, he came from Wigan in the search for, for knowledge. He studied teacher training at Edgehill College. <laughs> Your friend and mine, the great Stuart McConey. Thank you, thank you. And we're here to talk about Britpop, which Stuart and I invented, didn't we? We invented Britpop. Do you know what? You laugh... But there is a case for saying that we did. So this there, is the bit we can talk about before Louise yes. gets here and says that bands were doing it. Yeah, she'll tell them they, they lied to you. So, Stuart, yeah. when you and I invented Britpop... That day we invented Britpop, yeah. No, tell, tell the viewers about how we invented Britpop. We didn't really. Let me we, tell you a little bit. Well, you know what? You said that. There's a case for saying that we almost did. Um, and that's not just arrogance. That's just... Anyway, let me tell you a bit <laughs> the backstory. Because uh, I came of the backstory of this I was working for the NME at the time and I remember one day we were at the NME the music the music we were, we were writing about was in uniformly dire it was at the height of grunge but not the good grunge not Nirvana mm. but all those people well we put we put a band called Super Chunk on the cover one week oh. and I basically wept bitter tears in the office <laughs> and pounded the floor and said this cannot go on yes you know, and because uh, I hated all that music I hated the way they dressed I hated everything about it and um and then I went, to Blur, I went to Japan with Blur mm-hmm. uh, at the time of Modern Life is Rubbish and came back with this messianic zeal. Like, you know, <laughs> what's that famous thing about Bruce Springsteen? I've seen the future of rock and roll and its yes. name is Bruce Springsteen. But I came back saying, this is it. This is what we should be writing about. They're young, they're British, they make cool, short, sexy songs that aren't, you know, I don't want to tidy my room, essentially. And, and, and they're great and, they're, they're, you know, everything's going to be great. And people said, no, this is terrible. And anyway, there was... A, and I think just about after that, I realised my days there were numbered. Mm. And then a sinister Svengali-like figure approached me, Bernstein and Woodward style, in a car park, 
And basically we started... And you were of a similar mind, really, weren't you? Well, I was, I was editing Select magazine at the time, yeah. um, and it was my, my, my kind of my first proper real job. And I, I, as much like Stuart and many other people, hated having to shovel this dreadful plaid-clad American awful drivel music into the magazine because it was, it was what was around, and it was very hard work, and none of us in the office had any particular passion for it. What we wanted, we would play the Denim album all day, yeah, yeah. which nobody bought, but it was fantastic, yeah, and it was English, yeah. and, it, it, and it, it said things about our lives. And yeah. we, loved it. we loved St. Etienne, even though they could barely sell a record. They could always be relied upon. If you had a hole in the magazine at the last minute, you could ring up and say, what is, what, yeah. get St. Etienne to come to the office and bake biscuits or something, <laughs> or, or, or get, them to, get them to go and wear a sandwich yeah. one. They would do it. They were in, in reception. But we loved all that music, and we had very little kind of, we felt very little connection to the American fans, and we thought, felt there was something in the air. Um, and Stuart and also Andrew Collins were kind of coming to the end of their time at the LME. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, they were obviously you know, one of the most fantastic writers around. We really, really, really wanted to sign him, chiefly because we wanted to cause the NME pain. It was our, our mission, and I do mean to the NME. And so, so this plot was cooked up, it was. wasn't it? That, the, that that British music wasn't just a, uh, a, a kind of a background noise; that it would, should be what we were concentrating upon. Yeah. And the, the old trick in the, in the music press was always, when it's a quiet week, invent a scene. Invent a scene. Invent a scene. No. These scenes including, what, Fraggle Rock? Fraggle Rock. What else? Andrew, Andrew and I and David Quantic, because a kind of ironic anti-scene joke had once tried to start a scene called Lion Pop. Lion, with Cud. Lion Pop, I'd only had Cud, I think. Yes. Um, St. Etienne might have been in Lion Pop as well, you know. Mm, yeah. Uh, and um, so, yeah, always trying to invent a scene. But, but this was more, there was more to it this. And also, as well as this, I'd had this kind of sort of Damas, Damascene is the word I'm looking for, conversion mm. with, with Blur in Japan. And also, there were a few bands beginning to knock yeah. around. Yeah. Pulp, I'd, I'd made Legendary Girlfriend single of the week in, in NME, and Pulp had started to kind of take off again a bit. There were bands who were, who were looking different and sounding different with specifically British or specifically English points, points of reference. Mm. And so we started to talk. Yes. And we met. This is when, we, when, in the, when, the, when Britpop the movie is made, as I feel <laughs> sure it will be. <laughs> We met in a pub. We met in a mm. pub in... I can't remember which one. Was it... The Clacken, maybe, possibly. It might be the Clacken. We, we met in a pub in London, and you said, right, tell me all... Tell me what what you wanted to write about, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to fill the magazine with British bands who were singing about things that mattered to British people. Yeah. And Stuart wanted to write about... It makes it sound all slightly like the Nazis now, doesn't it? Well, but really, it wasn't like This that. brings us on to... We could talk about we this We could talk moment, about yeah. that in a moment, yeah. From this came... The infamous Brett from Suede on the cover with a Union Jack up behind him. Which he didn't speak to me for about four years over. He's forgiven me. He's forgiven me now, yeah. Right. yeah. And uh, because, you know, Suede, uh, they were the kind of, they were sort of John the Baptist to the whole thing. They yes. tend to get written out of the Britpop story they now. But they really did, st- they, they began all these many other, one of the things that, I think we referred to them as, before we started talking about Britpop, we call it crimpolinism. That's right. Because suede and pulp were all wearing these horrible man-made fibres that would make electric yeah. sparks you know, arc off them. Yeah. Shirts. Stuart's wearing a very well-made and lovely and organic version. Well, they looked like that, but they were made, yeah. out, of, but they were made out of petrol byproducts That's instead. <laughs> Stuart's, is, the Stuart's is, is, is raw cotton harvested by real humans. So... <laughs> So there's suede on the front on the front of um, the NME uh, yeah. select, sorry, with a Union Jack in the background, and God rest his soul, Stephen Wells went spared. Didn't he went he? mental. He went. I mean, the, the late great Stephen Wells, who passed away a couple yeah. of years ago, he's a, a great friend to many of us in here, and a giant of music journalism. Yeah, um, went mad. He went mad. He said in, a, in an article in the NME, he said, "You are serving the purposes of Nazism." Yeah. 
which some people thought was a slight overreaction. It was a little bit, yes. <laughs> Including uh, me. No, but we cooked and we sat in the pub and we said, right, what, what should we do? Because we made it into a... It became, it's become quite a legendary edition. It, it, it's, yes. got, it's got a picture of Brett Anderson on the front with a Union Jack in Britain, and it says... And the headline is, who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Cobain? Yes. Is it Yaks Go Home, it says as well, doesn't it? Does it? <laughs> yes. Right, okay. Which my wife, an American, thinks is just great. Yeah. Okay, I will then. So, uh, and, and, and it, was, it was a kind of theme issue, wasn't it, yes. in a way? Because we, uh, there was a suede interview, mm-hmm. but I also wrote things like... That's it. There, was, there was also something like Victor Meldrum, Morecambe and Wise yes. and stuff, and what things distinguished us from the contemporary American Stuart culture. Stuart wrote an amazing cri de coeur about what, is, what it is to be proud of your English culture and how you shouldn't just it think that it's... It's like, like Nick Griffin now. No, 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 no. That, that pop culture is what... And an outward look again, an inclusive yeah. pop culture that does include... That includes black music and yep. includes other music and includes things from across the spectrum. That that's what it is to be English and to be British. Stephen Wells didn't like this at all. No. But the feature also contained us. We had the auteurs in there. Yeah, we did. We had denim in there. We had pulp in there. We didn't have Blair and we didn't have Oasis. Did so we not? We didn't. No. Oh, well, to be fair about Oasis, were they going at this point? I don't think they were. Right, yeah. No, they were not going at this no, point. No, but, but Blair certainly were, yeah, mm. yeah. So this then, we went from uh, a, a situation where the enemy ref, ref, refused to countenance this and think that it was actually morally wrong to within a year... They were running their own Union Jack front covers with Noel Gallagher with the Union Jack guitar. Union Jacks were everywhere. That's right. So not only did we invent Britpop, we also invented the Union Jack, didn't we, Stuart? <laughs> or I should say the Union flag. Only the Union Jack when flown at sea, yeah, as yeah. everyone knows. So that's kind of how we uh, we got this. Is this are these, are these, these the legs of, Stuart, of Louise Winner coming through the... No, it's not. No. Um, <laughs> so, it's great. It's like some pop star leg quiz. <laughs> um, but one of the, I think Stuart just touched upon it a minute ago. One of the strange things about... And we were right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Louise Weller. Hooray! Hello, hello. Oh, there's biscuits and everything. There's there's biscuits that Louise Weller is now taking up her position and uh, having a biscuit. And uh, (laughs) sorry, Louise, sit down. Right, we were just. You can give your version now. We were just. We were talking about. we're sleeper in it, or we're sleeper not really going by that. Uh, sleeper, we're not. We're, we were talking about the, the infamous issue of Select with uh, that invented Britpop and put Brett on the front with the Union Jack and all that kind yeah, of thing. We and went, why weren't we? Uh, I mean, you were in your gestatory you, phase then, weren't you? Yes, we were gestatory. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but we, we were just talking about its origins and that issue and, and kind of. Well, from our point of view as, as music journalists, at the time I'd uh, been to Japan with Blur and was really sick of grunge music and started to start to think there is this other kind of sound, you know, Absolutely, it's yeah. Which we put into this uh, special issue. So, yeah. who do you think you're kidding, Mr. Colbert? But, well, well, from your point of view, then, yeah. being about, were you motivated by similar things? Were you sitting around thinking, I hate all this American music? And, or not? Uh, me, no. I thought, well, look, that's what they're doing now, so if I do that, maybe we'll get in the charts. Is that what you thought? That's what I thought. No, you didn't. I did. I yeah. swear. <laughs> before that, did, did you have your kind of own plaid-clad grunge phase beforehand? With like... I had a, we had folk phase. We had you we were like Tanita Tickering for a long while. You know, it Very was nice. like when we were sort of a bit yes, and then we tried to be a bit sort of Manchester. Right. That didn't work. <laughs> that was when we made strangely. Um, and then it was kind of went grunge, and I know really was into the whole sort of um, all the sort of riot girl stuff. So that yeah. was part of that certainly was a real thing that kind of yes. sort of sussed me off on it but you know in all honesty 
we were a bit sort of kind of what can we do? What can we do? We've been trying to make it for years. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this would be the thing. Yeah. Oh, that's why we didn't put them in then. Because they were still. <laughs> but it did, <laughs> actually, it, it, it did actually fit you though, didn't it? But I it can a... say all that now. At the time, you weren't allowed to say stuff like that, but I don't care anymore. So. No. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's well, yeah. Well, we, we get it all on the table now. Um, yeah, it's it, it, it did fit you like a glove though. It, did, it, it yeah, took it your did. your style of writing. Yeah, no, you know, it was I, perfect. I was just kind of it was just it was a bit like sort of. It felt like sort of coming home, sort of finding a space and sort of seeing that that was the thing that we could do and that was the thing that I could manage yeah. and really sort of pull off properly, you know, mm, yeah. and, and love as well. Yeah. 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 Well, certainly, I mean, I, I, as I was, you know, as a music journalist at the time, I was seeing all these bands like Paul Papier and, uh, you know, Suede, and they looked so odd. They were peculiar-looking people. They didn't look like musicians looked like. They looked like they'd been, they looked like they were out of the pages of the Beano. They were either they ta- too tall or too thin or too well, weird-looking people. Skinny people, tall people, yeah. There, there was a classic thing, wasn't there? I think it was in Smash Hits, and they actually had a, 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 a big headline saying, who are all these weirdos in the charts? Is that right? Because <laughs> it was something they were seeing all these kind of indie bands coming through and then becoming pop. Being on top of the pops, being in the top twenty. Mm. I said, like, "Who are they? Who are these weirdos?" And that was kind of, and, and that yeah. was quite brilliant, I think. It was it was quite liberating as well because uh, you know that music journalists too. You know, we we uh, you know we're, we're not like not sure, but me certainly. We kind of have our faces <laughs> for radio, and you know we we tend to be of the weirdo. Uh, you know, yeah, we don't absolutely. look like Ross. You know, no, yeah. no. so you're going to feel like these are your own people finally making it, and you can kind of in your own yeah. small way help out. Yeah. And it was, but but, uh, but there was that reaction. There definitely was that reaction that Swells had. That it, I, kept, I all the time I kept getting called a little Englander, <laughs> a phrase that I still don't know what it means. What does that mean for a little Englander? I think little- it, you don't apply it to people who live in South Africa. Uh, I, d- uh, I don't know. I think- and what and dream of the old country? I don't know. But anyway, I kept getting accused. I kept saying, "Why? What do you mean by that?" Because I've said I like some English music. It was mm. fairly... I think some of the stick we took... I mean, to be Blur, I think, came very close to... We, to with British Image Number... Do you remember British Image yes. Number 1? The infamous press photograph, British Image Number 1. Which, which was... was which is, I mean, Doc Martin Boots. Doc Martin Boots. Is that the, the dog? The, with the dog. Yeah. yeah. And that... Fred and I Perry's. understood completely why they were doing it. This was about the same time as Modern Life is Rubbish. I understand completely why they were doing it. It was just to say, no, we are not going to be lank-herd and plaid shirt and all that. Mm. But that was getting... Desperately close to something kind of naughty, yeah. But the great Irish writer Shona Casey says the English will accept anyone's jingoism except their own. That's true. Well, which is true. Do you know what we also? Yeah. I think it was also a lot of the time we were sort of objecting to the fact that all those American bands, they sung all these songs being so pissed off at the world. They were so pissed off. Yeah. We were like, what are you so pissed off about? You just seem so just kind of. It seemed very sort of inward looking and complaining and sort of quite. Oh, I'm American. I'm going to play like guitar and I'm really pissed yeah. off. Yeah. You know, so teenage, you know, sort of not not yeah. in a good great way. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a bit of a reaction to that. It's sort of, come on, you. What's the what's your big problem? What are you so the against? Because it wasn't it wasn't like they had a, a theme that they were against. It wasn't a, there was nothing sort of particularly political about it or yeah. or very sort of deep or interesting. It was just we are pissed yeah. off. The Americans used to call it complaint rock. Yes, complaint, complaint rock. rock. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Complaint rock is what they call. It. Yeah, that, that was my standing joke about it at the time at the enemy. I used to say, why are we putting all these bands on the in the, in the on the paper whose lyrics are essentially. I didn't ask to be born. Uh, basically, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's that. I didn't yeah. ask to be born. Um, you don't. You hate me. You don't understand me. I don't want to tidy my room and things like that. But, and it was. And, it, and, and Britpop was just tidy your room. Get on with it. Yeah. Have a tidy room. Yeah, Britpop was have a tidy have room. A tidy have a tidy room. Good stuff. Keep yeah. your yeah. room tidy. Yeah. A little log of a man putting a, a, something into it. Yeah, yes. that'd be quite a good T-shirt. I do actually, quite. <laughs> so, there was almost an element of the perverse of being deliberately perverse. Marky Smith, the great Marky Smith. See, it's not taking us. It's taken quite a long time to talk about Marky Smith, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. The great Marky Smith has that song, Pay Your Rates, which is obviously <laughs> deliberately there to wind up complaining political protesters. Yes. The chorus of which goes, Pay your rates 
and pay your water rate. Yeah. Which I absolutely love. Yes. I mean, it's not that he really is being so supplicant to authority, but it's just meant to be a joke about those people going, no, oh, I'm yeah. not going to knuckle down to the man. And he yeah. goes, pay your rates, sir, and pay your water rates. Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to bring down society <laughs> by, you know, cutting down yeah. the, the bin man's over time. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah. Please, did you? There was one of the different things about Britpop was suddenly you had female British artists appear yes. in bands. Yeah, the famous another female fronted band teacher. Yeah. Did you feel that Britpop was a feminist issue? Um, well, do you know, well, oh. yeah. <laughs> so at the time, it was like none of us wanted to talk about it. And I was because yeah. you know, the, uh, the you know the question that I got asked more than every, any other question the whole time I was in a band was what's it like to be a woman in a band? Yeah. So I got asked that yeah. question times to the power of a hundred. <laughs> any other question and the answer was I just want to be in a band I don't yes. want it to, it's not about being a woman in a band but sort of retrospectively I feel that it was more I have sort of more sort of feelings about it probably than I did then mm. um, and I think you know we were treated much more as novelties I think we were sort of scrutinised much more mm. um, there was so much about so whether we were being t- sexually provocative or we weren't you know we all wore big boots none of us were I'm wearing a dress today I didn't, I didn't wear a dress for about 10 years yeah, you know it's like yeah. we wore giant boots we wore leather jackets and we're like boys we had short androgynous haircuts mm. and I think the way that we thought we could sort of be taken seriously or be recognised within that genre was to ape the sort of male behaviour and the male sort of imagery I suppose I don't think we sort of felt that we had to do that Isn't it funny though that you're saying you got that you got you would get questions saying oh are you are you being sexually provocative are you playing up to being attractive and things like that yeah. because you know, I never da- went on my because da- because Damon, I've heard a few women of my acquaintance say that he's quite good looking. Mm. Um, I don't see it myself, but no. But Damon got you, Damon. No one ever says to Damon, "Oh, you've cut your hair nice for that photograph. You're playing up. You're being sexually provocative, <laughs> aren't you?" No. It's only they only would say that to you. Yes, they would mm. say that a lot. I mean, they did say it a lot. They yeah, did they did, yeah, and yeah. then there, and there'd be lots of sort of um, so people would try and get all the women in bands to sort of wear different things. So you turn up to a photo shoot in your usual Doc Martens and your leather jacket, and they'll go, "Gosh, she's not wearing that again, is she? Bloody hell! Oh, really? Get her in, you know, this. Undo a couple of buttons, love. You know, there was all of that stuff. Really? Oh God, yeah. Oh, you, yeah, absolutely. From, from the music, I'm, I'm not saying this because I think the music press is like politically from, from Select Magazine, I should say. No. Wow. Yes. That might not have been on my watch, actually. No. That might not have been on my. No, that's what Rebecca Brooks said. I would need just. Yeah. I was on holiday at the time no. that that uh, decision that, was taken. That, that does surprise me a little. It's inconceivable that I would make yeah. that decision. No. I, I, yeah. 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 We were hacked all the time. <laughs> no, I, I can. But I. But you did get. You used to get, do get a line. Did get a line of questioning that the, the bloke bands wouldn't have got. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. You know. It was all like. Yeah, it was all of that stuff. I, it was, it was sort of analysed. And I suppose at the time, I just didn't want to answer this question. I didn't want it to be an issue. I didn't want it to be the thing that defined us. Mm. You know, so I didn't want to make her think, here we are as a female writer, and that's what's, the, that's what's important about us. I didn't want to, I just, I just wanted it to piss off and not be a thing. Yeah. And of course yeah. it was, and you, yeah. couldn't, you couldn't really um, escape from it, I suppose. Yeah. But there the were far more women in independent music at the time then you know they, it seemed to open a door they, and, yeah. and also you know you have figures like you know Candida and Pulp you know she's the keyboard player she's in yeah. the band yeah. uh, the, you know whether she's a woman or not is kind of irrelevant yeah. but the, the, the options are there which didn't seem to really be there in the very very blokey indie rock no, I think of the 80s I think that's right but I, I, but I think they sort of it's almost like the, the record companies then sort of took what we were doing Recognised it, took all that imagery, diluted it, and then sort of gave it onto the to sort of pop kittens and yeah. for them to have. And they said, "We'll take all of that and then we'll just assimilate it and we'll run with it." And then all you can sort of back to your little 
garages with your guitars, you know, it was kind of... Yeah. Which is what kind of happened, didn't yeah, it? It was so assimilated it very quick, it wasn't yeah. very quick, it was a short step from that to Jerry Halliwell's Union Jack Dress, wasn't it? it well, was. before we get into the sad demise of Britpop, oh, let's oh. talk about the zenith of Britpop. What yes. were the best bits, do we think? Louise, what are the, what are the, what's the zenith of Britpop for you? Um, God, I, I mean, I, I, as a movement, I, you know, I don't really sort of think about it, I can only sort of think about it in personal terms, and what, yeah. was, what was brilliant for us, and what was great for me, it was just, you know, I, I sort of grew up being a really sort of naff teenager in a little suburb and I wanted to be a pop star and I got to do that for a few years so yeah. for me it was all about that and it was just the fact that you know, we got to tour around the world and you know play these amazing huge gigs we supported REM you know 70,000 people huge stadium wow. and we you know, stood up there and did that even if it was just for sort of like 25 minutes it's just you know for me that's just the, the sort of height of what was yeah. great for us one of the things that's it's sort of often said about the bands around that time is that it was it was surprisingly competitive. That oh, this it was, was a new so generation of bands. They all oh wanted to, you know, God. in the way that sort of in like in 1986, the bands on Cherry Red Records were not trying to outdo each other. But no. in the, at the height of Britpop, they everybody was, it was one up personship. I, I think there was. I think they were very conscious that the. There was only enough pie for for a certain amount of people, so there was this yeah. competition for attention. So, also incredible Schadenfreude. So, if someone had a lower chart position than you, you know, you studied people's midweeks. Oh, they've got they've got shit midweek. Brilliant. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're going down the pan. If, you, if there was if there was any minus, you know, microscopic hint that someone might be sort of fading or, or, or going down, everyone, you know, it's like celebration time. You know, let's go to the good mixer and celebrate. I could barely oh, less good than cocktails in the blood in the oh, good, good mixer. mixer. My God. God, this is like something. <laughs> From you know Wall Street, Gordon they got a kid midweek. Like I am Gordon Gecko. You know, but we all had to pretend we were pretending yeah, it's a real scene, or we all love each other. Yeah. You know, we all hated each other's guts, <laughs> unless Who unless unless they had the cocaine, in which case everybody loved each other. Bloody hell! Ah, well, well you about that. there was because there was because amongst its differences. I mean, even I think I, I think I tried to allude about this in my piece was that. Everything about it, including the drugs, were different. It wasn't. Mm. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yes. It wasn't that kind of heavy laden. American rock that still was very much into it was we know yeah. it was still very much everyone was going to have a heroin overdose. Yes, this was all this was for me. It was great. It was great because it was it much more the tradition of things like Northern Soul, which was about being, you know, a mod. It was it, really Britpop was a kind of mod for the nineties. It was. It was a mod. It was. It was good haircuts and yeah. it was quite speedy and clean. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was about yeah. being remarkably alert at three o'clock in the morning. How did they do that? Yeah, <laughs> we just know. we just got lots of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's HR Greens. That's yeah. What we did. yeah. Well, actually, one one thing I think that people <laughs> tend to forget about Pripot was that it it wasn't a thing happening on its own. It was very symbiotic with what was happening in dance music at the same time. Because you'd go and see a rock band, and then you'd then a DJ would come on, and they'd be on sure. until three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And this idea that there was this kind of world of people with guitars and this world of exactly. people with drum so machines. They wanted to replicate those highs that were going on in, the, yeah. in that whole movement as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So yeah. there was a lot of ecstasy going down as well yeah. in the world of. Guitar bands, which hadn't happened before, and that gets you things like Dogman Star and other, other strange outcrops of Britpop. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I, I think, uh, what, what, what do you think were the best bits? I mean, I remember like uh, like Louise. I just remember a lot of it being quite good fun. Yeah. There was a lot of kind of silliness that, looking back, seems you know there was a lot of people riding around on scooters and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, and but it, it, with, with hindsight, it does seem rather silly. But it was kind of. For about 20 minutes, it was really good fun, wasn't it? It was. The, what I remember most about it, the, the brilliant thing I remember was that at long last, like, people like us have got our moments. You don't have to spend your time looking up to American bands yeah. and long-established rock bands who've been there forever. It's, it's, you know, people like us are in the bands, doing the magazines, and they're starting to appear on the radio. Yeah. And finally, you can see somebody like Jarvis or somebody like you on the telly yeah. and go... 
I know people like that, yeah. and they sing about the things. Yeah. It's that... true, but then what was quite strange is that then, even though there were those type of people in the charts, mm. then you find yourself doing quite strange things. So then you'd still be expected, and why not, to go on Richard and Judy or be interviewed by sort of Zig mm. and Zag, right. you know? <laughs> so it's like yeah, we think we're really cool and hip, and we're in an indie band, we don't do that sort of shit. And then you're sort of talking to Zig and Zag on the on the breakfast show. Well, like, what, what are we doing? What, what's happened? You I know? think it was a wonderful and honourable tradition of bands doing that from the Beatles onwards. Oh. You know, you true. can. Yeah, yeah. There's a great clip of Morrissey and Johnny Marr on something like yeah, number yeah. 43. Yeah. Or 46, it was cool, wasn't it? Yeah, that was thing. 73. Sorry, it's been a long day. And one of the, kid, um, one of the kids says, where are we shop, going? You know? Yeah. One like, of the kids says to Morrissey, on the yeah. where are we going? Morrissey says, we're going to hell. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's in the great tradition of like, the Beatles being on, you know, yeah. Morecambe and Wise and things like that. I think, yeah. I think mm. all pop bands should Absolutely. do that. Yeah. You know? this, yeah. is, this is about the only thing the Clash were wrong about. The Clash, we never do top of pop, we never do those shows. They were wrong about that. Ah, you should do that. To That's be fair to the Clash, what they always said in this quote, the second part of the quote is, on, obviously, they said, we're not doing Top of the Pops because it stinks, but we would love to do the Val Dunican show. All right. They actually said, we don't want to do that kind of rubbishy pop <laughs> show, but if you want us to be on the Val Dunican show, we will. Sadly, they're still waiting for Val's invert. Val Dunican. What? But oh. you know what the thing is, though, about that, all of that? They, but the Britpop bands, they said, yeah, we can do it, but we'll do it ironically. Yes, oh. it was so, all very ironic, so it's all it? everything. It's, yes. But, mm. well, it worked, and that's what's rubbish about it. It's like, just do it and do it for yeah. real. It's like, it's like it became so, you know, it kind of sort of crawled up its own bum through its own irony, well, it its own the sense of irony. It. Yeah, no, do you remember that phrase, the yeah. scene that celebrates itself? That's a snappy phrase, isn't it? Yeah. Thank God someone came up with Britpop. Yeah, <laughs> thank God for that. <laughs> Who was yeah. that, then? I don't know. It was a team of marketing consultants. I was told. Yeah. I just, it was me. <laughs> hey, no, actually, in Luke Haynes's hey, very brilliant book. If anybody, has anybody read Luke Haynes's book? Bad, bad. It's fantastic. We all get slagged off in it. I mean, oh, yeah, I know. Luke, he's like, but Luke's like one of those Japanese prisoners of war. It's over, Luke. Yeah. Come out now. But he, uh, he does uh, he does describe Ripple as being cooked up by a lot of uh, uh, sort of terrible lieutenant colonel marketing consultants. I'm really going, that's me. That's me. I'm so yeah. proud. If you'd like to get each and every Word podcast a whole day early, have access to all the hundreds of Word podcasts we've done over the last five years, and want to keep in touch with everything going on on our website, then you need the Word podcast app for iPhone and I touch. The word podcast is the form of entertainment that civilization has been working towards. A bunch of people stuck in a wardrobe talking utter bollocks. Search for the word podcast app on iTunes. It costs £3.99, practically giving it away, as opposed to actually giving it away, which is what we've been doing so far. Let's talk for a minute about the thing that everybody sees as the kind of the, the sort of the outside world as the crystallization of the Britpop thing, which is Blur versus Oasis, the yeah. kind of uh, both bands release a single on the same day. It's the Battle of Britain. It gets on the news. It's all so exciting. I think history has now shown that it was actually Damon Albarn was the instigator of this, hasn't it? Isn't this the case? I think but, it Yes, it was. Yeah. Everybody sort of said, it wasn't our idea. We didn't want to do it. But I think we now, we now know, I, don't we? Well, do we? What's your version of it? Hang on. A voice on the floor. It's Andy Saunders. Was it? Well, okay. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, <laughs> I seem to remember that. Um, they did, it was beginning to simmer out, and I was somewhere with Andy one day, and Damon, and Damon said, words to the effect of, F it then, let's put them out on the same day. So I think it was. I think it was, yeah. And now with hindsight, we can see they both put out 
one of their each put out one of their Pump worst the singles. Worst records they ever yeah. Made, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Country yeah. House, a record that oh. Graham Coxon couldn't bear to play, and Roll with It, which is now just a punchline for the burger vans out here. Do you want to roll with it? Yeah. Um, neither of these are are great records, but it was a great moment. It was an exciting. And if you look at the moment. Country House video, you can see the the sheer torment Graham is in at that yeah. point. Right? Yeah. He's looking. Well, apart from all the money and stuff, he's thinking, please make this stop. <laughs> Not the money, though. Yeah. Louise, what was your perspective on that particular brouhaha? On the Blue Oasis? Yeah. Well, you know, I think they both they loved it, didn't they? I yeah. Think. I think it was just a big old game. And that was another thing about, you know, Britpop had this sort of pretense that you didn't care about your chart position, you wouldn't worry about all of that stuff. That was for those pop bands over there. Yes. But everyone was fretting like crazy about their chart positions and worrying and, they, and listening to marketing groups and focus groups and feeding back. So, you know, it was kind of, yeah. you know, everyone likes to pretend that those kind of bands weren't corporate, but they were just the essence of corporate as well. Mm. And, that, and I think that was represented in the whole Blow Oasis battle. Yeah. And Damon yeah. instigating it. They, they loved that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this was also the moment when it all started to get a bit sort of aligned on class, wasn't it? It's like here's your poncy middle class art school Blair band yes, there with was their that, weird things and your proper horny handed sons of toil. Well, yeah, from the north there's, there's where the real people live. In, in, there's two things about that. In, in Richie famously said in my book about Blur, I, I take a quote from Richie. Richie famously said brilliantly, "All rock and roll is homosexual." Richie from the Manix, "All rock and roll is homosexual." And I paraphrased it. Well, I paraphrased it. But I also, you could say all rock and roll is suburban, which it isn't. But Britpop was quite sub- was very suburban yes. as well. For once, it wasn't people coming from. It was people coming inner from. Cities, it wasn't people wasn't. coming from inner cities. It wasn't in a city viewpoint. You know, it yeah. was largely but suburban. Would you agree I think with it that? Was, yeah, and, yeah. and that which sort of yeah, lended so much imagery to all the lyrics and all the kind of the, 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 all, the all the videos and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, but it was part of it. Yeah, but that's what I was going to say. That, that then the, the, the oasis, the oasis and blur thing became this. It really got co-opted into being this. And you, mm. you would get you, you would get blood soon. Yeah, well, including mainly. Let's face it, oasis themselves all yes. the time. Saying we don't want the we don't want the chimney sweep music or whatever they said. <laughs> yeah, something which is actually quite funny, come to think. It is quite funny. Um, but but yeah, but I'm trying to build it as a kind of as a kind of class, class war. war, which is interesting because I was interested in having a class. I was interested in, in, in you know instigating class war as anybody else was thinking. Not this, <laughs> not like this. Yeah, not, not like this, lads. Because you no one wants to. I don't want to be on your side. You yeah, do you want to be in my gang? Yeah. Not particularly. Not particularly. Yeah. yeah. Do you think anyone really cared though about it? I, I think people did care because well, it was competitive. While, yeah. Hands up, who cared about Blur versus uh, Oasis? You've got a little bit of... And the rest of you are lying. You were all glued to the telly. <laughs> yeah. did anybody, was, was it not just like, who's got the best tune? Who's uh, got well, the best both chorus? Both tunes were pretty bad, yeah. it has to be. Yeah. But generally... Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry? They were attitudes. They were attitudes. Good point from the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody put money on it? No, no, but you probably you could make, make quite a few quid on that. I think the Blur Oasis bit was when it started to go a bit sour because you, ser- you started to see you started to see some quite well-heeled figures suddenly affecting a bingly mongly monkey, <laughs> Kevin and Perry. So, you know, we're not going to name the guilty name men. Any names. But yeah, or something. Like, I met quite a few. I, I'm from coming from. Well, we're both from the north, and I met quite a few mm. people. From Cheshire, who suddenly decided, who suddenly decided, Cheshire, who suddenly the, decided to start. Yeah. I was like, hang on, what's happened to you? Have you been for some genetic reprogramming? What's all, what's all this about? Uh, no, no, hey. Stuart, how are you doing, mate? I was gonna say, I'm fine, but something really odd has happened to your voice. Yeah. <laughs> the Kevin and Perry sketch, where Perry oh, says, school is where any teacher out will be stupid. That was replicated. Yeah. And, then he, uh, yeah. and it did sort of start to go a little bit sadly, because that, I think, to me, that was the moment when Britpop started to stop being about let's have 
bizarre ideas from the fringes. Let's bring all the outsiders in and let them do what they want. And it started to get a little bit sort of codified that it was about being a lad, that it was about yeah. being art-based. it art never based. was. In the beginning, no. it was never about being a lad. It was the opposite yeah. of that. Yeah. It was about being a big girl's blouse in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. really. yeah. 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 For me, definitely. Yeah, well, <laughs> nice for the lads as well to be a big girl. You know, it's a very liberating kind of thing. Did, was, was there any element of kind of all hanging around, going around each other's houses for tea and drugs and stuff? Or, well, was, or were you all just at each other's throats? Uh, no, there was a lot of that. There was, but um, it was but it was just, it was, like we said, just hyper-competitive and people did hang out but they hung out to take drugs mostly yeah. you know, and have their, have these moments what a dreadful I know honestly oh, god he would have thought it pop bands taking drugs um, no. unheard what, of what do we think put an end for it pop what do we think killed it I think it's part of what you were saying that from from when from the sort of country house video on with that kind yeah. of being assimilated and sort of joining in all those kind of ridiculous rivalries the laddishness of it mm. the sort of you know the top shelf magazine sort of element came yeah. into it didn't it and the women, yeah. I think the women got sort of pushed out of that and you know the women had to start behaving more and more blokishly and then that got assimilated into something else it's just you know it's like when they started sort of selling Beatles wigs and Woolworths and you knew that was over yeah. you know yeah just, those, those blow wigs were awful yeah, were it? awful. it's like any kind of scene or band it's like you know the the Velvet Underground were pretty good and have spawned more rubbish bands than anyone yes. Same with the Smiths, say, you know, and same with scenes as well. What happens is that the one the people who aren't very bright and creative don't get the they get the trappings of it. And I would say, you know, so you get Noel Gallagher with his big, you know, yeah. Indian Jack guitar thing, which is kinda like that's a bit naff compared to how he started, to be honest. You know what I mean? I thought it was quite good actually. Did I thought, you? I liked I it. thought yeah. it was a bit naff. Right, uh, and you just think no, it wasn't about just putting Union Jacks on everything. It, well, it, it was more about emphasising some British working class style virtues over that is true over boring American, essentially middle class virtues. Yeah. Well, I've got a short. Well, that's li- not fair. Kurt Cobain was it was dirt good. poor. Yeah, yeah. And but he also spawned a load of terrible bands. That's the thing with the, the, that's the thing about Nirvana. Nirvana were fantastic, and their records are fantastic. But, but I, I don't, I'm not including Kurt Cobain, even though we put his name in that headline. Yes. I'm not including him in that at all. It was all, it was all those bleeding Stone Temple Pilots and yeah. Alice in Chains and all the oh. Descent at the back there. I've got I've got a list of, of some things that I think killed Britpop, and they are the watered down power ballad, uh, <laughs> the Spice Girls who ruined everything, destroyed far more than Britpop. Also, almost the Spice Girls almost destroyed pop music as a as a thing. Really, I didn't know you had such a hard line. Well, you really, they, you really feel that. Yeah. They, 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 they just took it entirely out of anything to do with you the think joys like, of pop. Right? Well, yeah, exactly. So you're, you're everything. Sa- are you sa- you're saying like the Spice Girls were the Thatcher of pop? <laughs> I don't know about that. I think, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. That's what I'm saying to you. That's exactly okay, what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 that's a good theory. Also, also on the list. I'm write that down. Yeah, have, you, can have, you can have that one. Thanks. Uh, also on the list of things that kill Britpop: bad follow-ups. People making the fantastic album just being yeah. unable to sustain it, um, and the menace of Beatleism. I think yeah. too much Beatleism just killed so Britpop. Just so much sucking up of the Beatles. <laughs> menswear were great. <laughs> we, we love well, menswear. Here's an interesting fact about menswear. Down the line, they are probably the most successful of those bands because they've all gone on to manage, haven't they? They've all gone to manage bands. And um, well, Matt works for Six Music. Yes. And yeah, and all the, and all the rest. Are, yeah, that's in a Swiss hideaway managing bands. Absolutely. Yeah. And comparing contrast with poor old Dixie and Bonehead, whatever they're doing, <laughs> uh, menswear have absolutely cleaned up. I, and last on the list of things that killed Britpop, be here now, uh, which killed Britpop, killed rock, and and, and actually 
paralysed Oasis, I think, creatively for the rest of their lives. This is the irony of Blur versus Oasis, isn't it? You think yeah. Oasis win because they get number one, but actually Blur win in the long run because they can yeah. become something else, they can change and they can evolve. Well, well and also, well, I, I, I put it this way, like, the world isn't, re- the world, let's put it this way, the world isn't waiting for Liam's opera about a medieval alchemist, is it? I don't know. And I said, and, no, I, I do say that completely bigotedly, yeah, I said that completely bigotedly. I went to see Damon's opera the other week and it was quite hilarious because I met him afterwards and I did think, Blimey, when I, when I met you in a pub in Stoke, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think, yeah, in 20 years' time I'm going to be listening to your medieval opera about Dr. John D. But, but, and I said, but that's fantastic. Pop music should have ambition. It should. Pop music should have ambition and reach above its station and punch above its weight. It shouldn't be all saying, no, let's keep it down here like me. And keep it real. No, it should, it should have ideas above its station. That's what great pop music yeah. always has. I remember that, that line from Oasis in the, at the height of their kind of uncriticisable zenith of fame. And, and somebody said to them, why do you all just stand stock still? on the stage what do you put on the replies if you want to see a show go to a circus you know and that's that's completely wrong it it? is utterly wrong that is completely wrong you should get you should learn something if it was good enough for the temptation it's good enough for you you should have been been, learn to do some dancing you should have been more like Beyonce you know bit sparkly pants yeah you know some backing singers proper get in there did anybody else think slightly off the point the first ten minutes of Beyonce set a glass to me though you you, you wanted to get Bono and get him back out and go that's how you do it I I, I, I missed it I was in a field oh well it's just like that old joke about Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers you know the great joke about Ginger Rogers was the great talent she she had to do everything Fred did she had to do it backwards and in high heels It was like that. It was yeah. like, no, she's doing all that you're doing, mate. Except her idea of the, the rock show is not to lie on your back and feebly kick at the edge of the guitar for two seconds <laughs> before being helped to your feet by paid attendants. Mm. Look at what she's doing. Look at her. Yeah. <laughs> Do we think? Yeah, that's a very small smattering applause there. Good, yeah. Come Do on. we? Uh... Come on, sisters. Come on. <laughs> Do we think? That with hindsight, Britpop gets the credit it deserves. It's kind of been laughed at in the past, in the, in the intervening years. Oh God, I don't know. Go on. I think I, I think it gets. I think it gets what it deserves. I think it is. Yeah. It was what it was. It was kind of. I, I, to be honest, I'm shocked that people are still talking about it so much. Mm. Frankly, I mean, it's like a. It was a brief little moment, a blip of gorgeous pop madness. Yeah. It was almost, you know, it was that. But in terms of having huge cultural relevance and all that kind of stuff, I, I don't know. I don't see it so much. Well, like except that. with hindsight, you can see that it might actually be the last gigantic pop moment. What has come since that was that was true? But isn't that more to do with the way that sort of the, the way sort of music's um, taken now, the way that people get it, the way that people yeah. you know, when Britpop was around, people were still sort of having allegiance to one band or another. It was a real huge thing. It took over the whole country for a while. But now, you know, yeah. everyone's getting it's all Spotify and iTunes and all the kind of way that you get your music yeah. maybe yeah, that's more of the reason it's, it's, it's dissipated yeah. and it was effect. very symbiotic with the media wasn't it exactly it, it, yeah. and, that, and because the media is so huge now, it's all because yeah. of the way the internet feeds you information yeah. in a way it's not like everyone's going out to buy the enemy on a Tuesday morning in yeah. the same way no, they're buying the word magazine quite rightly rightly so but yes. it's not it's just not the same so I don't think it's yeah. e- you're ever going to have that kind of moment again so it's, right. is, it, is it not more to do with just the way sort of uh, the way that music's well you may be right you may be right but I take your point that whatever it's to do with you may, I think you're probably right it was the last big nat- yeah. kind of so nat- maybe, so national like, pop so moment. people are sort of overly nostalgic and about it or, you know, they care about it I think, for, I think for ages people went through a phase about it that you it, people bad-mouthed it so much that you had to say no. And I think now yeah. we're coming to a, a different position saying, no, you know, it was all right. Yeah. It was all right. Did anybody go and see Pulp in Hyde Park? Yeah. I did it well. Wasn't it amazing? <laughs> it was an... It, it was so fun, and it was an it was an orgasmic recollection of how brilliant all that stuff was. 
because you'd been denied it for such an awful long time. And suddenly, here we are, right back. The graphics are the same. Jobs has got a nice suit on. He's not a bedraggled kind of, you know, trawler man look. And it was, it was just... Uh, so many people seem to be absolutely ecstatic to be able to revisit that. It's like, it's like rediscovering ABBA were great, isn't it? It's like, you know, yeah. because yeah. right through the 70s, like, ABBA, shit, we hate yeah. ABBA. And now it's like, yeah. ABBA, great, we yeah. love ABBA. Well, it's just, like that. It's like, they yeah. were just great tunes. They were great bands. You know, yeah. it's just... Mm. Well, it's like I, I've it just had to face the lion myself and accept that Queen were fantastic. You, you know, and it's very there liberating. You go. No, don't they you feel better? <laughs> they weren't fantastic. No, they were fantastic. <laughs> they got two they good tunes. No, they've got. <laughs> they were. The, they were the pantomime Led Zeppelin. <gasps> okay, this is a subject. That's a good They weren't yeah. fantastic. Podcast. I want to disassociate myself from <laughs> any pro Queen <laughs> sentiment. Some of us will never forgive or forget. We all all I'll just say to you: Don't stop me now. All I, can, all I can say to you, three words, fat bottom girls. We should never let them be forgot, forgiven for that. Not listening. We are the no time for losers, because we are the champions of the world. There we go, anyway. The mood of the meeting is against you, Mr. McConey. You should withdraw your proposal. Please, people listening to this who've downloaded it, email The Word magazine and say, <laughs> I am right. Don't say, I am right. I'm reaching out to you now through the power of technology. Okay. Help me. All right. Support me. All right, never mind that. What did Britpop ever do for us? That's what I want to um, know. One thing it did, that, that I think we should say, is that it was a, it, it, we are still just about to have the legacy, although the entire business model of the music industry has collapsed, of course, but we still just about have the legacy that but before... The, the, Bands, indie for want of a better word, bands could get in the charts. Yes, and Britpop did that, didn't it? Yes. I mean, mm. I mean, you know, you had you had hits. The yeah. bands had hits. It wasn't just a sort of coterie of people being. It wasn't like Nick Drake. I mean, yeah. I love Nick Drake, but it wasn't like twenty years later people saying, "Oh, his records are okay," but not being able to get arrested while he was alive. Yeah, the bands had hits. They were on. They were on the news. They were on the programs. And I think still a little bit of that hangs over that people yeah. expect that they can play weirdo music and become successful. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Know? It definitely did massively expand the audience for music in general, didn't it? It stopped, yeah. it stopped music being a thing that kind of weirdos who couldn't fight or play football were interested in. And it became yeah. a thing that everybody was interested it, in. It sort of became more democratic, didn't it? Because yes. if you give those bands the chance to get on the radio, then people would decide they like them and buy the stuff. It was just getting to that point where you've got to get on the radio and be seen and listened to and heard. Yeah. And then it's cast out and it's up to punters if they want to buy it or not. So it's, kind of, it's always down to that, yeah. which is brilliant it's just it's just getting to that point so it, it sort of broke through probably allowing people to get to that point to be yeah. heard well, personally I think there were a lot of bad records but the best records are amongst the best ones that have ever been made in, in Britain and in the world of pop music and it's you know just where we were we were waiting in, uh, you had the, was the first Suede album you had on yes uh, and, um, and, I, and I just and I, I hadn't I'm not played that record for, for a while I'm just hearing it again thinking bloody hell this is fantastic yes absolutely it's fantastic this is fantastic and, and it brought me back to exactly being back in that room at the NME and going Listen to this. Yes. Stop, stop listening to that because yeah. that's rubbish and this is better, you know. Yes. And it's, 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 it's quite visceral like that. Yeah, listening to Modern Life is Rubbish was a real moment for the first time. Yeah. Seeing yeah. the play at Reading Fantastic. when they did that, yeah. and it was just very yeah. early on. I'm saying, stop yeah. listening to your Queen records and listen to <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can listen to both. You it's can listen right. in my you house. In the wise words of Morrissey, I can have both. <laughs> so I am going to say it loud. I'm Britpop and proud. Let's have some questions. <laughs> Round of applause. Let's have some questions from the floor. People, hey chaps, hang on a minute. We have got a microphone. We had a series of joke. We had a series of pop music jokes already. We were going to go. Well, it was Kate's oh, yeah. joke. We were going to yeah, do Kate Moss's joke. We were going to go. Yes. Okay, um, um, Lady in Red. 
Okay. Boy with the thorn in his side. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. Um, man with the child in his eyes. We've got the man with the child in his eyes down here. Come on, we've, oh, okay. we've got the question. Sorry. Hey, chap, um, thanks for turning up. Um, amazing watching you doing this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, can I, uh, two things. Can I just ask you what your favourite Britpop bands are? And if you do the history of Britpop, can you include Sixty Foot Dolls, please? Sixty Foot Dolls. They're incredible. Britpop. I saw Sixty Foot Dolls on yeah, tour with Sleeper, and they, they were, were amazing. absolutely amazing. They were great. Yeah. They were really great. So, what are your favourite Britpop bands? Um, Sleeper, obviously. Oh, oh, yeah. Obviously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was. Oh, you know, obviously, Ross at Blow Oasis. I loved them. Oh. I thought they were both brilliant pulp, I and mean, they were just. Yeah. They were my three, I guess. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know about more bands, but my, my, the records or albums, I think Second Suede album, uh, Modern Life is Rubbish. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'd say that, yeah. yeah. Different I, class. I, I, I'd have to go for Pulp. I think that um, Different Class was the most... Hey! I think Different Class is just such an incredible achievement. And the idea that he, he wrote the lyrics in a very short period of time, fueled only on a few bottles of red wine, and came out with this incredible body of work that absolutely nailed exactly what it was about at yeah. that time. It, it just It's... it's Britain in 1994 and 1995 nailed down into songs. Yes, you're right. And I think, um, was it Ned Sherin who said... It usually is. He said uh, that the lyrics to Common People are like Sondheim. It's yeah. That, that level of proficiency it, 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 where somebody yeah. has gone so far beyond what you'd expect a 14-year yeah, yeah, recipient yeah. from Sheffield to be able to produce. And seeing them perform it again the other week yeah. in Hyde Park... I was weeping like a big girl. It was <laughs> oh, no, it is. And what you forget about Common People, which is a, a true classic pop record, is because it, it, it's kind of vaguely silly and jaunty on one level, you forget how angry it is as oh, well. Yeah. But in the end, when he turns that corner to basically start jabbing his finger and saying, you'll never know what it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. to it's be a, a common kind of, but, it's like, but it's an anthemic song that could actually have occurred at any time. It wasn't, I mm. think that's what's great about it. Which, which, which transcend, yeah. It transcends Britpop because it's not just about a Britpop moment. Yeah. Everyone's felt like that. I could have been someone. It's, like, it's just that, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's, like, yeah, yeah. it's that Marlon Brando, I could have been someone moment. Yeah, and yeah. So it's just that distilled into song and that's why that's just such yeah. a brilliant well, moment. The, and the, the fact that it was... That, they were able to use the kind of springboard of Britpop uh, to yeah, just, absolutely. you know, suddenly, you know, you're, you're thinking maybe eternal classics can happen yeah. now. They haven't all been done in the past. No, they haven't all been written no, in no. by all the good songs are done by 1969. Yeah. In, in a way, there's sort of like park life feels sort of more, the song park life feels sort of tied to that moment. Yeah. Something that common people doesn't because it's, it's, just, got, it's just a larger theme. It's a, yeah, it's a kind yeah, of universality yeah. to it, you know? Yeah. 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 That's okay, well. more questions. Where's the microphone? There's a gentleman there. Okay. It's yeah. uh, the, the man with the golden arm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you hear me, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, you spoke about how uh, Britpop was a reaction to the American music scene. But for me, it was also a reaction to the way Britain was at that point. We were a country that was quite demoralised. We had, we had had Tories in for what seemed like yeah. forever. Yeah. I just wanted to know what the panel's views are on that and whether we think that with this current disastrous government, yeah. five, six years down the line, are we going to get another amazing music scene on the way? Or has the music uh, industry changed forever in that respect? I, I think as a, I think personally, because the, the way the business model of the industry has collapsed, you'll probably yeah. not get it so organised now, uh, and there are other things for people that people can do apart from farm pop groups. Um, but, but, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it was not just a reaction, well, from my point of view, I mean, not just a reaction against the bad, bad pro-American music, but it's, yeah, an attempt to kind of get revved up about stuff as well. Because if you look, it harks back to an earlier Britain. It's very much of the 90s. Yeah. But in the way people are... It, the, the dress codes and everything are the 70s and the 60s, aren't yeah. they? You know, so. Yeah. 
and and also the things that like the people making those records grew up with. You know, it's like yeah. this is I'm gonna wear the clothes from when I was a teenager and I was happiest. And we yeah. had to put up with shoegazing for God's sake. You know, it's like <laughs> shoegazing. That was the thing. Brilliant. Yeah. So we needed we needed some spontaneity yeah, and right. that whole political right. thing as well. But God, it's just a moment of joy. Yeah. I, think I think was that, needed. That point you made there about how uh, yeah, the political context of it as well. For me, a lot of it felt like. We've we've kind of had it. We've had we've had miserable teenage lives for such a long time that if anybody's going to make our amazing moment, it's got to be us. We've got to do it ourselves, and that's why I love Pulp above all the bands because they are the ultimate misfit weirdos. You know, they don't look like a pop group should look like, and they built an incredible thing on their own terms mm. and made everybody come to them. And I thought that was that sort of makes sense in the in the political context you're talking about. Any other questions? Any other questions? Uh, the uh, can I get the microphone? Over? You could probably shout, so we'll probably... All right, shout up. That's interesting. Yeah. How important was Radio 1 and the changing of the guard at Radio 1? That's interesting. Well, I was working there at the time. Uh, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. What am I talking about? I don't remember seeing you. No, I wasn't. What am I talking about? It was after that. Sorry, I know. Um... It was very important. Yeah, I wasn't there at the time. But it was because there was a new feeling abroad at Radio 1 that... Um, there was a new feeling abroad at Radio 1 that, uh, that they... Uh, you know, they, it was about trying... It was getting... Yeah, trying to get vaguely hip. It, it, was, it was disastrous for Radio 1 for a while. But, um, yeah, there was this feeling that um, it was... Um, uh, uh, the, 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 the DLTs and people like that had to go. I think it was, because I think... I mean, were they very supportive of you? They, yeah, but it was like what we were talking about earlier. It's absolutely crucial. It was, it was just getting out there, being heard, and then it becomes that democratic thing where people choose whether they want to buy your records yeah. or not. But it was just getting there, getting out there, getting that exposure. So it was hu- it was a hugely important moment to get all those bands being played on the radio. And suddenly, like these little bands were getting a-listed, and we were running around in Canada, like we're getting a-listed on Radio One. It was just it seemed unthinkable. Yeah. And suddenly, it was happening, and that was the, I think that was a real sort of catalyst for it. But it also so slightly did rob the. The kind of underground feel, yeah, it didn't did. it? You know, it that did. was that was that was the end of yeah. the idea that your your own bands would also have this kind of heroic struggle against yeah. against the the institutions above them. Because after Britpop, the institutions were bang on side for your bands. That's they right. were hoovering up new bands, insatiable for them actually, and often lowering the you know the quality threshold unbelievably. So you know. So yeah, we should say because Louise has mentioned it, and you've mentioned it. People who don't know it, it is when when the Britpop film gets made. A, a lot of it you can say about the scene that it was a journalistic creation or whatever. But it was absolutely true that for a while you could go to the Good Mixer in Camden, and it was like the Britpop Youth Club. <laughs> it was like, oh look, there's Graham at the bar. Oh look, there's the, you know, it, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, very it much. was like a, it was comedy Britpop Youth Club. Yeah. That's what the film will be called, Comedy Britpop yeah, News Club. Right, no. And it'll look like the Double Deckers or something like that. <laughs> oh, with a jaunty organ. Oh. That's what it should be like, yeah. yeah. We should Brilliant. start working on the film exactly. immediately. <laughs> Any other questions? <laughs> Gentlemen over here. When do you reckon Britpop... Oh, when do you reckon Britpop finished then? Because I still kind of like Warm Jets and Gay Dad. Is that still Britpop or is that oh, too interesting. late? interesting. Wow. Where do you draw your line? Wow. Yeah. Well, but pop, pop movements don't have a full stop, do they? They kind of peter out. And, and to me... Britpop kind of went sour and turned into the giant, moany, string-drenched ballad. Let's all sit round and be old hands and be miserable. Thing of the of the of the uh, late. Yeah. <laughs> you, said, you said Travis, I was Travis not me. I was that's 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 your construction on that, sir. So, yeah, you know, but and yeah, you so couldn't I, possibly come. In. I couldn't possibly come. In. I don't think it ended. It just turned into something that was a lot less exciting and a lot less fun, yeah. and a lot less inspired and a lot less colourful. That's what I think. Now, they always get dilute, diluted, don't they? It's pop movements. That's how they all kind of 
fade away, don't they? They do fade away. Yeah. yeah. The dreams we have as children fade away. Yeah. As the late great Noel Gallagher once said. Yes. Any more? Any more? Any more? Any more? Was that a, was that a hand or was that give me a biscuit? No. Okay. Any more? I do think it is quite sweet that we've had this discussion with tea and biscuits. Yes. That's we had to sit down and have some sugary tea. Absolutely. Oh. Thank you all so much for coming. And, <laughs> and we will see you down the front for Swade, where I shall shirt and Liz and I will all be spanking our behinds with these microphones here. Like an animal. Thank you and goodbye. If you've been affected by any of the issues in this podcast, go to wordmagazine.co.uk or apply at your newsagent every